The studio's sick, man. Yeah, we... Um, so the story is, is that we were about to launch episode five, uh, season five, where we were start. We we're going to start recording season five. Like yeah. last... About this time last year, I would say, or even before that. And during the pandemic, we were doing like... Um, like we were doing virtual ones. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. We were doing virtual interviews like during the pandemic. And... I hated it because the vibes are not the same doing virtual inter like interviews and stuff like that. And like, it became like, I didn't want to do it anymore. Like the fun of it wasn't there. So, um, so I was just like, okay, if we're going to, we started like planning like interviews for like season five and stuff. And then I was just like, until we could find a spot to do it in person, I don't want to do it. So we started looking around the city and there were no pot. There were no podcast recording studios in all of Toronto in January, February, March of 2021 or 2022. I honestly forget now yeah. because it's all a blur. But there's no podcast recording studios in the entire city. We could not find one because all of them shut down during the pandemic. Yes. So then I was like, okay, like we're going to start a studio. And uh, it was mainly just for us to um, like host our own podcasts on, me and my business partners. And then it turned into this idea of like, well, what if there's a business opportunity for it? Like this kind of thing. So um, long story short, uh, this is the office of uh, like he's a VC, venture capitalist named Anthony Lacavera. And uh, he started Win Mobile, sold it to Shaw. They rebranded it to Freedom Mobile. Yes. And uh, so this is where like his family office is. And uh, he seeded kind of like this startup, it's not kind of, now it's like a full out startup company where um, it's called Crater Club, where we pair, we like train creators on like a very efficient process for like creating content. And then we match them with like brands to like create that content. It's called Crater Club and this is the office space for it. So yeah. what turned into like, hey, where's a podcast studio in Toronto turned into like a business. A business. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so now here we are. You know, we're actually only here till May and then we're going to be moving to like a new office space on the West End near like Trinity Bellwoods. Okay. Um, I was actually just looking at a couple uh, places last night. That place across from Nine Ossington. Beautiful. Did Daniel send you the pictures? Yeah. You would fucking love it. I know. I died. I was going to respond and be like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the move. While I was down there, I was reading an article that said that this is going to be the year where commercial prices for sales actually go down. They were like listing the reasons why. And cause I was going to buy a commercial unit last year. Yeah. And then I had a lot of things on the go and I just, I was looking, 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 but I never actually like seriously got into the mode of buying. Right. Yeah. But I was kind of, and I said, okay, this year, all that stuff's off my plate. I can go into that. And then I read that article and now like my brain's like, now I got to investigate a little bit further. I'm telling you that yeah. I believe that. And that's kind of like the play that we're looking for for Crater yeah. Club is we want to expand into like 10 office spaces across um, this time zone of North America. So we're looking at like New York, Chicago, Austin, something like that. Maybe Miami, which isn't like this time zone, but kind of. I'll run like, that office if you want. Like <laughs> at once. Yeah, sure. Let's yeah. do it at once. So we want to go like, boom, 10 yeah. offices at once. We're like currently working on like an operations scope of like um, standard operating procedures for how we would do that. And uh, yeah, because we believe me and like our angel investors and stuff believe that the commercial real estate market is going to get hit hard in the next like two years, because what I believe, and I'm just, just, this is all just speculation. We're not even going to post, we're not like posting this or anything, but just for fun, I believe that the pandemic hit everyone, but because interest rates were so low, still, like, no one was really, like... Nobody felt the pinch. Yeah, right? And then now interest rates are going up, but also it's, like, people are locked into leases, too, right? So they have to wait for their leases to expire kind of thing or renew. Yeah. And now we're... It was, 20, uh, it was 2020 that the pandemic happened. We're in 2023. So anyone that was in a lease is coming up for renewal in the next like yeah 2023 2025 somewhere in that two-year span somewhere yeah. right um and that's if someone got super unlucky and entered their lease like in 2020 or 2019 right so yeah. a lot of people like these guys they're like we're not doing this anymore they're out 
I know like this is all anecdotal, but a bunch of buddies that are just, nah, we're not renewing, going to co-working spaces or just fully remote. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that are like, I don't need 10,000 square feet. I couldn't get away with 5,000 square feet. So everybody's downsizing and then the people are like, well, this is 10,000 square feet and then they're having to move, right? Yeah, exactly. Like even just walk around this this place. Yeah. (laughs) This place was in 2019 bustling with like 30 people a day. Yeah. There's no one here. The only ones here yeah. in this entire floor, right? Yeah. Even if you just go outside still, it's a ghost town where like people would be all over the place in this part of the city. It's going to come back. I, I also think the commercial sector is going to get hit because now companies are going to start. Like I know there's a, like the job numbers were strong, this and that, the other. But I don't think it's going to go that way for the rest of the year. I really don't. And then companies are going to downsize, man. They're yeah. gonna, it's going to be about keeping afloat. So yeah. they're just going to get rid of people. They're going to buy out some of their leases and there's going to be a lot of commercial space available. Yeah. So kind of sucks because I really had that, like, like I know real estate is long-term and I never really, like if I want something, I don't care if it's expensive because you hold it, right? So it it's doesn't true. really matter. It's true. But it's kind of like you got to, you got to time it sometimes too, somewhat, right? Like I'm not going to wait 10 years, but at the same time, could I wait a year? Absolutely. See what happens, right? Yeah. And it's it, it's interesting too because you're right. It's not like this is going to be forever. It's going to yeah. be like this. Interest rates are going to go yeah. back down. We're going to adapt. People are going to figure out what the use for office spaces are again. Yes. And there's going to be a place for it. So it's not like it's a bad investment. But most businesses that are looking to rent somewhere, they're only renting. They're not buying. So for them, short term matters. You know. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Feels like we're part. We're already at the podcast. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, what episode is this? <laughs> 39. <sighs> Write it okay. down somewhere there. <laughs> okay. Fuck. That's crazy. All right. So hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. This is episode 39. And today we have, as a special guest on the podcast, Mario Armani. Thank you for joining us today. I love how you said special, eh? Yeah, <laughs> you're special. Anyone who's on the podcast is special to me. Appreciate that very much, But what much, makes brother. you extra special is that actually you were on one of my previous podcasts, so five years ago. Jesse, do you remember what episode that was, by chance? Like, thir- I think it was, I was going to say 16 as well. So episode, I think 16, you were on the podcast very different dynamic. Me and me and Jesse were also laughing because we couldn't believe that we allowed video content to go out with like wine bottles in the background, old like it was amazing. The old like stuff. It was amazing. But what's what's interesting is that you mentioned this. We were just like uh, outside over here, and you were like, "Oh, you were like one of the first people to do it." And it's true. We were like actually one of the first people to start doing podcasts and clipping it, and like now everyone does it. Yes. But I never, I didn't really keep up with it. Like I've been pretty quiet over the last two years, um, but we're like looking to re-engage that now. Um, see, the reason why you did that though is probably the same reason why I stopped doing a lot of content because you see that a lot of people were doing what you were doing and because you're such a creative guy, you wanted to do something different. So it kind of like stopped you a little bit from continuing. And to, honestly, that yeah. was something too. It yes. was like, ah, everyone's doing it. So like, is it something interesting anywhere? What's the next thing yes. kind of thing, you know? But- I still missed the the idea of hosting an in-person podcast because I just love it. Like, this is, like, fun to me. Absolutely. Right? I'm sure it is for you, too, because I see you still posting all over Instagram. That's the reason I actually haven't been able to start a podcast. Everybody's telling me, you should start a podcast. Obviously, every realtor now has one. Um, right. And I don't want to do it for that reason, but I really enjoy them. I really do enjoy them. But I also don't always have the time to go ahead and sit down and do this, like let's say once a week. And there's a lot of guys that are recording, let's say four or five podcasts in a day. And I don't want to do it that way. I I just want it to be very organic and uh, it does require a little bit of time, right? So we'll see how 2023 goes. We will see. We will see. Um, So I do have to just take a second and uh, thank our sponsors. I don't have my my, uh, (laughs) thing that I usually do. To thank our sponsors, Crater Club, Creator Club is a platform that connects content creators and brands to create content at scale. Um, Check them out at Creator Club Studios on Instagram, creatorclub.ca. I also want to thank Jesse and Valentina, my producers, 
extraordinaire behind the camera. You can't do it without you guys. Thank you very much. Okay. What a nice guy, yeah? Let's jump into this. <laughs> they literally carry the show. So here we go. All right. So, Muriel, tell me a little bit about yourself. We'll do like a two minute on you because, like, you're a pretty interesting guy. You like, you've been in real estate for a while. You're a dad. You, you just like post all over, uh, over Instagram. You also like are a great mentor. Like I learn a lot from you just through like your digital platform, you know, means a lot. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about behind the scenes. Like, yeah, what you do for a living and stuff, but what makes you tick? Okay. So there's actually not, not much to me, believe it or not. A lot of people think I'm a very complex guy. I'm a very simple guy. Um, I've been in real estate for 19 years now, opened up my brokerage four years ago. Um, been with the same woman for 20 years now, um, have two boys, eight and 10 years old. I love fitness. I love cycling. And uh, I just, I love tranquility, man. I love that. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's sick. And actually, when you were on the episode four years ago is when you like first started your brokerage, right? I think it was like maybe, I think I was two weeks before it actually opened. So I was right there. Here we go. So Here you guys have seen the evolution. Yeah, for real. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was, how, how has that been? Like you started a brokerage. What's different from like you starting a brokerage from what other realtors do in like joining a brokerage or something? What made you want to do that? How has that been over the last five years? How's the evolution? I love that question. So I initially started the brokerage because um, I wanted to be able to incorporate. So a big secret to, I think, business is making money. But also another big secret is how to keep that money, right? Right. You're in the business. You understand that very well. For sure. Uh, So I wanted to incorporate. But at the time, they didn't allow us to be able to do that. Now we can as uh, independent realtors incorporate. So I said to myself, I need to do it for that reason. Now, I could have gone through a sub brokerage and still been part of another brand. But I... Another thing that really bothered me is that I didn't want to follow what other brokerages were doing because I didn't really believe what they were doing. Like Mm. they were doing things that were just obsolete, outdated. They never really changed what they were doing. They were still doing the things that they did 10, 20 years ago and they're not really relevant anymore, right? And they wanted you to do those things. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna do my own thing because that's what I've always done. And this way, nobody can, I don't have to answer to anybody. I can do things the way that I feel. And I understand it's, that. it's the best decision I've ever made. Wow, I love that. Because for me, is like the entire reason why I became an entrepreneur was for that freedom yes. to be able to do things the way that I want to. And mainly for that is I want to be able to work with the people that I want to work with, both from a client side and from a team side. Like you get to hire your own people and like build your own processes and systems, not have to like do things the old school way just because that's how it has been. So that's great. You get it. Yeah, I do get it. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced over that period? Uh, There were a lot. Um, So my brokerage is not the typical model where you were like, let's say as the owner of a brokerage, I'm going to hire a hundred guys and have these hundred guys working for me. So the way that I'm running it is if you're part of my team, you're part of my brokerage. So I get like tons of requests. I, I shouldn't say tons, tons being, let's say, 30 requests a month, but I do get four or five people a month contacting me and they want to join the brokerage, but I want to grow it at my pace because I did run a a real estate team prior to open up the brokerage and being very truthful, it wasn't successful. And it wasn't successful because I had the wrong mentality of the people that I was bringing on board. So I'm very selective of who works with me and I want to do it the right way. And I want these people to be an extension of me. So it does take a little bit of time as finding good people is very difficult now. Hey, if you, that is true. But yeah. if you want to go far, you got to really spend time on like picking the right people yes. from like a cultural and mindset standpoint. I used to have a, I used to have a rugby coach in high school. He used to always say, don't bring me rugby players. Cause we used to, every year we used to recruit for the rugby team. Okay. And cause it was not like a big sport, like hockey where people yes. are pounding down the doors, to like getting on the team. So we used to recruit for rugby and he used to always say, don't bring me rugby players, bring me athletes. Because it's easier to teach an athlete how to be a rugby player, but it's not easy for a ru- to teach a rugby player how to be an athlete. And that all comes down to like mindset, yes. right? And I believe the same thing for like my companies as well too, is I don't hire based off of skill set. I always hire based off of like fit culturally and mindset. Yes. Because I could teach anybody the technical skills, but if they don't vibe, 
it's not going to work out. Also that drive, right? Some of these people, they just, they don't have the drive. They just want to go through the motions and that's okay if that's what you want to do, but that may not fit the culture that you're trying to bring into your brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, I recently just saw you post, you did a post on Instagram okay. and I loved it and it really resonated with me. I'll tell you about it in a second, but the reason why it resonated with me was because I was reading a book recently and, uh, it was like one of my biggest takeaways from like a quote perspective. And it was um, the biggest roadblock for people to be hitting success is not failure. So not like trying and failing, but actually being able to overcome boredom. And that hit home for me, like being able to overcome boredom because, you know, you get super fired up, like when you become a realtor yes, or you get super fired up when you go to the gym, right? And that energy and passion lasts for like, or when you start a podcast or yeah. start posting on Instagram and that energy and passion goes for like a couple weeks, a couple days and, it and then boredom kicks in. You're waking up and you're doing that door knocking. You're waking up and you're doing the, the bench press and you're just like, it's not like fun anymore. It's getting boring. And being able to stay consistent is the key to that. And that was about your post, like consistency and how if you look back to maybe some of your first posts on Instagram, were they as good as they are right now? Probably not, right? They weren't as good, but like I do feel that something that I always did was I took the time to do them. And it's like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people now, especially realtors, they're super notorious for doing this. Like it's all about being cool. Right. It's not right. really about <laughs> the content. It's not really about giving people value. It's like, okay, I'm going to be standing in a cool house or I'm going to just look cool and just have a cool caption. And that's great because like, listen, people, they like that. But at the same time, you still have to give them value, right? So something that I always felt is I want to communicate with my audience. I want to reach them. And it's super cool to sit with somebody and we're talking about it. And you're like, you know what? You made that post and it really hit home with me, right? Right. So that's the kind of stuff that I love to do. And, and sometimes like there's posts that take me like, four hours to write. So I'm literally in front of a computer or I'm in front of the TV and I'm just kind of like writing this post for four hours. Yeah, and yeah. it's just because I put my heart and soul in everything I do. I'm very passionate and it's from just the little things to the big things, right? But you've been going for the last like four years pretty consistent. So what, what when you get bored, what keeps you going? <laughs> Honestly, I, I think I'm just- Because, because I, I do want to say you were yeah. one of the first adopters of like posting online and stuff too. Like, I think you built yourself a little like studio in the basement yes. like five years ago. And I was like, oh, wow, that's My a little- My studio got better too now, okay? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's just a matter of consistency. And I think that that's where people lack. And that's where I think the failure comes from where they just, they do things for a week, a month, two months, and then that boredom kicks in and then they just- they lack that enthusiasm, right? So I think that we always need to adapt. We always need to change, you know what I mean? And you just have to have that drive. I've been fortunate enough where I can self-motivate myself. I don't need anybody to pick me up. And I'm, I'm just, I just love everything I do. And if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm <laughs> always motivated because I'm always doing stuff I want to do. And even if it's not stuff that I want to do, I always remember the goal of why I'm doing it. So sometimes it's like, I don't want to work out, but I do want to look a certain way and I do want to feel a certain way. So right. I'm going to motivate myself to do it because I want to reach that goal or I want to be there, even though what I'm doing at the moment sucks. Right, right. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. There, there's, a, there's like a Steve Jobs quote as well that says, um, uh, you spend a lot of your time working, you know, like think about it. You sleep eight hours you work eight hours of the day. Some people work more. And then how much time do you really have left? So you might as well at least like what you do. Yes. But the ultimate goal is to love what you do. Yes. Because then it's just play. You're just playing all day, you know? And it's not going to, you're not going to love every part of the day. Like some days suck, right? Um, but if you do like what you do, it makes it a lot easier. I think life is all about satisfying your soul. Um, and sometimes you're going to have to do those things that you just don't want to do, you might hate your job, but that's okay because your job gives you the opportunity to do the things that satisfy your soul and the things that you love, right? So you always have to remember that end goal and not necessarily what you're doing to achieve it or to get there. I love that. Do you have any, uh, do you do any goal planning for 2023? Always. What is uh, some big goals coming up for Mario this year? So what I do is December 31st of every year, I sit down with my wife and we kind of plan like 
just like a paper where we write 2023 in the middle and we write like personal goals, family goals, couple goals. We've been doing this for like seven, eight years. Love that. And it's the coolest thing because on that day, we always get the paper from that year and we look at how many of those goals we hit, uh-huh. uh, what we didn't hit, and we kind of get ourselves motivated by by that and just plan out the next year, right? So one of the goals that I have this year is I'd like to uh, purchase a commercial unit, which we did talk about a little bit before uh, the podcast started. That may be on hold depending on what happens with the market. Um, I'd like to kind of, uh, due to COVID and all that, my fitness was always there. I was always training, exercising, but I wanted to kind of go to that next level. Um, I'd like to start cycling again because I've had a lot of uh, extracurricular activities in terms mm-hmm. of work over the past year. And I wasn't even to able to not even do one ride last year. So I wow. like to pick up my cycling. Listen, life gets in the way. You know yeah, how it yeah, goes, it right? It happens for sure. So those are just some of the goals. But just overall, I just, uh, just want to spend time with my family. The last two years have been really, really, really difficult really difficult for me. So I just, uh, I want to give them a little bit more time. I'd like to take a couple of trips. Um, I'd like to spend a little bit more time with my family. So I want to dedicate more time to them and just kind of learn to shut off sometimes, which is something that I've, I, I just can't do. It's tough. Yeah. Like I, I understand that as, as well, because me and you are very entrepreneurial and creative and we work hard and it's tough to shut off when like you're supposed to. And I can only imagine what it would be like with a family where like, you're at home and yes. you've got like a million things that you're thinking about, but you have kids and a wife. Um, so I really admire that. Thank you. Um, you mentioned it was hard the last couple of years. Like what were some of the hardest things? So, um, if you don't mind me asking, yeah, I, I don't mind at all. That's why we're here. Uh, I'm always an open book with these things, right? Like I know a lot of people really, they kind of like strategically plan what they're going to say, but, um, I just like to be authentic always. Yeah, um, love, so over I the last couple of years, I've uh, taken on a couple of construction projects along with um, real estate, obviously. Um, construction's a big passion of mine. It's something that I just love. It's stressful, like you wouldn't believe. But to me, it's the most rewarding thing because you have an idea in your mind and to actually execute it and see it like happen, it is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It is absolutely incredible. And for me, I love the stress. I love the stress of going to... 30 different tile places to check, like to confirm one specific piece (laughs) of tile. Uh, My wife hates me, by the way. Uh, But just things like that, um, I love it. And like uh, getting back to satisfying your soul, it satisfies my soul, right? So I was involved in a project where um, I ended up building a home for myself. Uh, I'm helping a client currently right now, finishing up a place right now at Young and Finch that's actually going to be put on the market and sold probably in about a year and a half. So we got another three months there and I've been helping him along with the project. So just, uh, it's, it's keeping, it's keeping me motivated, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's a lot of work, a lot of work. So it's a lot of work because you're trying to juggle 10 things. Uh, so my real estate day always starts every single day at eight 30 at eight 30. doesn't matter what's happening. I'm in front of that computer every single day. But when you're on site, I'm on site now at six 30 in the morning. Hmm. So now you're waking up earlier, you're going on site in order to be able to make it back to your office at 8.30 to start your right, day, right? right so it's right. just a lot. And then you're coming home very late. So obviously, you're the time with your family. It's You only have 24 hours in the day, right? So yeah, there's a yeah. lot. Like these last two years. Something have, has to make a sacrifice, yes. I suppose, right? People, people who try to balance, it's almost impossible. Right. That's what I feel. Like I know that some people achieve it. I haven't been able to achieve that balance because it's either you're focusing on your family or you're focusing on your career or you're focusing. It's hard to to do everything great and to give everything the attention in order for that task to be successful, right? Yeah, I get that. And I don't think that work-life balance is like a thing. I think yeah. it more goes in waves Yes, where like, okay, you're going to spend time on work during this period and then you'll spend some more time with family during this period and it it goes in waves some waves are longer and shorter than others but it's that constant balancing act it depends on what you want to do the quote i I forget who said it but it said uh the quote was live a few years like most won't to enjoy your life like most dream of and that resonates with me all the time and uh for the longest time my my wife, for example, her father was always the type of gentleman that worked really hard and he enjoyed his life. He did everything he wanted to do. But at the same time, there was a lot of things that he didn't do because he enjoyed so much. Right. So yeah, I'm yeah. kind of like the opposite where I go ahead and I just work towards that goal. And right now, let's say in the past year, we've been able to enjoy a lot of things that, for example, my wife never even dreamed that we'd be, that we'd be doing. Mm-hmm. So I made her understand now, okay, all this work and sacrifice that we 
did throughout all these years was to achieve these things. And now we're in a different place where we can be a little bit more comfortable or we can do certain things that we weren't able to do before, right? So it's all about sacrifice. Wow. Yeah, especially with a family. Talk to me a little bit about that because you are, you've been with your wife for a long time, right? And two kids, how old are your kids? Eight and 10. Eight and 10? Wow. Yeah, so like how do you, what's that like? Like what are some uh, success tips for me, like someone Ah. who's gonna get married one day, you know, to keep things strong? Success tips is definitely- That's a good one, right? (laughs) Because nowadays it's so rare that it would actually be useful to ask. It's like, well, okay, give me some tips on that. How to build a strong marriage. You you asked about the marriage and you asked about the kids. That'll be the next part, yeah. So I'll start with the marriage. Communication is definitely the number one thing. And um, a lot of couples, they'll go ahead and, and they'll be in a fight. There always has to be that bigger person. So- you may be upset, you may get into a fight, but the worst thing you can do is like, let's say stretch out three or four days where you're not talking. Right. It's very immature, very childish, doesn't get you anywhere. Like cool off two, three hours and go and talk to the person and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. And you'll, I actually kind of have that same personality in life. Sometimes there's people that are rude mm-hmm. and just be nice to them. And all of a sudden people are like, wait a minute, I'm an asshole, but this guy's being nice to me. And they calm down and they're kind of like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm having a bad day. And kind of like everything changes, right? Right, right. It's kind of the same thing with the marriage and with the kids. It's just really, really difficult. But make an effort to enjoy them when they're really, really young, especially from newborn to three or four, because that time, even though it doesn't seem like it while you're going through it, it flies by. Now I see my kids, they're eight and 10 years old. Like the, the, the older one doesn't want you to hold his hand anymore going to school. <laughs> Things change very quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Useful. Good. I also like that trick about, or not the trick, the exercise of doing December 31st with your wife. Yes. So that you're planning together. That's a good one. She's your partner. Yeah. She's, uh, you got to have somebody to back you up, somebody to, I always say to my wife, you're the glue that holds this family together. Because there's moments where, like, again, I said earlier in the conversation, like, I feel myself. But then there's those days where you're like, you just can't do it. Mm. And then that's where your partner comes in to pick you up and hold you together and say, hey, everything's okay. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Just keep going. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, how, wh- what was the moment where you knew she was the one? Was it like... Early on, you're, later. You're going to call me corny and you're going to say, no, it can't be. Yep. I knew the day that I met her that I was going to marry her. Get out of here. That's serious. Are you and a I, romantic, and Mario? I, was, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm a lover boy. And so is my older son. Yeah? Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. And believe me, I, I was only 18, 19 at the time, so it's pretty crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Pretty crazy. Okay. And what was it about her? I don't know. I okay. really don't know. Just It's like what they say, when you know, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah, cool. crazy. Um, so I'd love to transition to real estate now because obviously you've been in the game for 19 years and you're a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. So we'd like to talk a little bit about what's happening right now in the real estate game. I'll ask you a couple questions about that. Sure. Okay? So obviously right now the economy has shifted tremendously and you've seen it shift tremendously being uh, in the game for so long. So real estate's now... I looked at Prime the other day, and it's like 6% something. Yes. Crazy. Who would have thought this? Like, yeah. Literally, when um, back four years ago in 2018, people were talking about negative interest rates, and this is the new economy, right? You know, obviously, no one would have predicted the pandemic, all the printing of money that occurred during that period of time, and now the central banks have to increase interest rates in order to curb inflation. Yes. So how what are you seeing in the real estate market right now overall in the impacts of that, especially now in 2023? So last year, especially like let's say from April till about maybe August, buyers were very cautious. They didn't want to buy. They kind of said, okay, we're going to wait. Right. Then yes. September to December rolled around and those people that were on the sidelines jumped right in. Um, a lot of investors took some advantages, but um, I feel there's a lot of investors still waiting on the sidelines, especially the builders. There's a lot of um, properties that are lots, 
and they're having a hard time selling because now builders don't want to build because prices are so high, materials hard to come by, materials very expensive. So it's definitely a great time. Like let's say if you're a person that wants to build a house for yourself, you can pick up a lot of lots at great prices. Mm. But um, I do feel that if you're buying and selling and especially upgrading, this is a fabulous time, right? It's it's simple mathematics. If you have a property that is worth a million dollars, went down 10%, your property is worth 900,000. You have a property that's worth $2 million. It went down the same 10% and went down 200,000. So if you're upgrading, it makes a little bit of sense to do it now, even though rates are high, because we know that rates, they're not going to be this high for 10 years. Eventually within a year or two, we're very dependent. When I say we Canada, we're very dependent in real estate. So it's going to be very tough to keep those rates high because if people don't refinance, then that money doesn't go back into the economy. So they're going to want to lower rates and pretty quickly. Yeah, I think there was a prediction that the first rate decrease is going to happen this summer. Really? Uh, I saw the, read an article on that from the Globe and Mail. I, I, so I have a, a couple of mortgage brokers that are very, very, very connected with a lot of mm-hmm. people in the wealth management industry. What are industry. they saying? And there's, they were saying initially last year in November and December that uh, same thing. End of Q2, beginning of Q3, we're going to see the first rate reduction. And I actually touched base with somebody a couple of days ago, and they were telling me that that's been pushed now till the fall. So mm. we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Yes. And once that rate hike, once that rate goes down once, even yes. if it's just like small, I feel like, boom, the gut floodgates will open up and it'll be really busy again for like real estate volume. Yes. And I also, another thing that people aren't really talking about is there are some lenders that are even doing 40 year amortization now. Really? Yes. Oh. So it's not many of them, but it's, I think that that's going to be something that's going to have to happen with a lot of lenders as well, because people really can't. So number one, yeah. they can't lower interest rates right now. So how do they bring down payments? The only way is with the amortization. Right. So if they want to start stimulating the market, this is what they're going to start pushing, right? So mm. they're going to figure out some creative ways to keep people buying and selling because, like I said, we're very dependent on it in this industry. Even me, I had a fixed rate mortgage and it's coming up for renewal in April and I am scared shitless. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> wow, here we go. This is the time to have cash, huh? Man, yeah. man. So yeah, so that's that's my one of my biggest stressors in the next four months, uh, which is okay. It's a good, now, it's not the end. It's not a... First like one problems, of my biggest right? stressors in the next four months, I'm all right. Yes. I'll be okay. Um, okay, so now in regards to uh, what you've been seeing from like, is now, a, let's ask this question because it's yes. the one that everyone asks. Yes. Is it a good time to buy or sell real estate right now? Let's talk about both of those. Is it a good time to sell? Is it a good time to buy? So if you're looking to sell, you're obviously not going to get top dollar because top dollar was February 2020. Right. 2022, sorry. Um, so you're not going to sell for the highest price, but if you're buying and selling, you're basically buying and selling at the, at, in the same market. If you are downgrading, you are losing a little bit of money. If you are upgrading, you're making a little bit of money. Yeah, right? I like that. And I like that point because from a pure dollar standpoint, the percentage differences, if you're upgrading does yes. make sense. And another great point is that there's a lot of buyers and sellers that are taking advantage going to, let's say areas that have decreased more in prices. So I have a couple of buyers that let's say sold in Vaughn, which Vaughn decreased, but as an example, they didn't, it didn't decrease as much as let's say Innisfil and Barry. So they've been going up there and they're really taking advantage of that bang for your buck Mm -hmm. and lowering their mortgages because obviously now mortgage payments are higher. So that's also another strategy that buyers and sellers are using to gain Mm. a little bit of money. Mm, I like that. Um, I saw a post as well that you did about uh, like these two scammers like literally uh, sold a house that yes. weren't theirs. Yes. Just as a interest piece to me. Can you explain that for those that haven't heard it? Very simple. Somebody used a fake ID and they basically said, I'm Anthony. This is my house. I want to sell it. The realtor went ahead, listed it. They sold it. The people were on vacation. They got back and there was somebody in their house. Did you believe this? So where was it again? It's here in uh, Etobicoke. No so way. So funny enough, uh, last week I read an article that it actually happened for a second time. Yes. Same people or? No, different people. Wow. So what Be I careful out think there. Is, is the same way that like, let's say when they steal cars, people usually steal on the same day just to not kind of get caught. So I kind of think there's like a ring of people that kind of mm. did this at the same time, hoping that they could do it at the same time. Cause now I'm sure they're going to put some other provisions in place. So this doesn't happen. Now title insurance does get involved. Those people will eventually get their house back. It's going to be a lot of 
a lot of a lot of a lot of work. Yeah. Wow. It's gonna be complicated. So they were literally out of country, came home. Came home. Somebody was in their house. Somebody bought their house. Who knows where those people are? Would and, you believe uh, that? It's wow. insane. Okay. Um, all right. So what are some areas in Toronto or GTA or Ontario that you're looking at right now that are like interesting to you? Uh, to me, um, Etobicoke has always been a very interesting area. Um, downtown core, um, the condo market's an area, uh, where I think like we're going to really have to pay a lot of attention to it going into 2023. There's going to be 32,000 completed condo units, uh, available. Is, is that a lot? 32,000 available new condo units. So really new, uh, available for move in. Right. So now it's going to be great for the rental market because we obviously have a little bit of properties and we need more inventory. So it's yeah. going to be great because a lot of those condo units are owned by investors. Mm. So hopefully that brings rental prices down, but laws of supply and demand, the more there are of something, the less it's going to be worth, right? So condo prices year over year have been exactly the same. They haven't gone up, haven't gone down. So I kind of feel that the condo market this year might take a little bit of a hit. But again, it's all going to depend on the rates, but I don't see it being very positive in the next three or four months for condos, right? Yeah, and you wouldn't, like obviously condos will do well over the long term. Yes. So if you have one, don't go panicking. No. But it might be a good opportunity for people trying to get into the market to capitalize on that. It's an amazing opportunity. And what people don't really, see the, the problem is, is that people kind of have started to look at the real estate market as the stock market where a stock can go up and down in the matter of days or weeks or yeah. whatever. Now that's what's happened with our real estate market. You put a property for sale today and a month later, that property was worth $100,000 more. Mm. It wasn't sustainable. So that's how people are viewing it. So when you're purchasing a property, you do have to have a long-term mentality where you're going to hang on to that property anywhere between three to six years at a minimum. And don't think that your property is going to gain these crazy values in just six months to a year, right? Yeah, those days are over. I think that they're over for the next little while, but I think it's something that's going to be continuing to happen yeah, because yeah. again, they're shocking our market. Obviously we're down about 20, 25 points and it's going to go back up again. So I think we're going to like the next time the market goes up, I think it's going to be like another five, 10, 15% boom, like very quickly. Right. And, and, and people have to always remember that, uh, real estate is heavily tied. The price of real estate is heavily tied to interest rates. Yes. And it's inversely correlated so there was one, uh, it was another article that I read where since 1991 till the pandemic, um, interest rates didn't go up once. Wow. They only went down. So obviously anyone that you talk to anybody that you know, especially like in the GTA, if they owned a property in the 90s until 2016, they're millionaires now, Yes, right? And obviously that was because the, the boom of Toronto. Toronto is a mega city now from a global perspective, but also it was the constant decrease of interest rates that made real estate go up, refinancing became a thing, more buying into real estate, and that caused a lot of wealth for people. Yeah, and you know what? Another thing uh, that people, it, those are great points, and something that I kind of realized, uh, this was about maybe six months ago, client of mine purchased a unit not too far from where we are here and the condo had three owners he was the third owner since that building was built huh. so the first unit the first time the unit sold it sold for uh $240,000 then that same unit sold like 10 years after for $270,000 so they wow. hung on oh. they, they hung on to it for that long mm. and then that person sold it to another person sorry it was four owners that person sold it to another person for like 400,000 and then that person had it for like five or six years and they sold it for a million. Wow. So <laughs> the real estate boom, huh. if you kind of look at it from, let's say, a 20-year perspective, it's only been the last 10 to 12 years where there's been like a crazy like right. bull market for the real estate, for the real, in the real estate industry where it just took off like crazy, right? So it's all about timing. If you were in at the beginning of those 10, 12 years, you did extremely, extremely well, right? But again, I think that a lot of the newer investors um, purchasing pre-construction property because again, the, the younger investor, that's what they want to do. They want a right. newer property. They buy pre-construction and be, because pre-construction was so cheap before they were always buying for, let's say 400,000. And then by the time they got their keys, their property was worth 700,000. Yeah, they, yeah. They're continuing this, this process. It's not going to be like that. Yeah. So it's just, you got to be careful. Because during that hot period, like 2014 to 2017, 2018, people were just buying a house, yeah. making a hundred G's in six months Crazy. and flipping it. 
that was that was a scary period of time. Uh, I had for clients. me looking at it from like a financial planning perspective outside. <laughs> I'm, I would have had a heart attack if I was you because you see everybody, you see whatever whatever everybody what everybody spends, and it just must have been uh, yeah yeah people buying multiple pre construction. Let's talk about pre construction a bit. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about um, like what the pre construction market and world looks like nowadays. Pre-construction market's very difficult. There's a lot of builders that just directly shut down their sites. Um, like, for example, Vaughn. Um, in Vaughn, there's a lot of builders that shut down their sites. There's a lot of people that have backed out of purchases, a lot of people getting sued. Um, mm. I personally know clients of mine that purchase, let's say, four or five units with the intention of assigning them. Right. And now those units are worth way less than what they paid for them. They don't really they don't qualify for the mortgages and now they're in trouble. Right. Yeah. Because not even from a private mortgage standpoint, they're going to get financing. So right. it's going to be an issue. And is it still a good uh, option for people to get their feet um, in the door by buying pre-construction? I personally wouldn't touch pre-construction right now because there's a lot of great opportunities in the resale market. Mm-hmm. Um I would definitely wait. From a price per square footage standpoint, um, condos, let's say, I think that condos are better at a resale standpoint. So if, I would. And if you don't have the money, is it still like good to, hey, let's get to payment plan, at least we're in? Is that still a strategy nowadays or way still too, not? Way too risky because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Before we saw this wave where, again, a property was worth 400000 and then later on it's worth 700000 So there's tons of equity there. Even if you have to go to a private lender, they're going to finance you. Hmm. Now you don't know what's going to happen in two, three years, four years, right? So it's very risky to be able to buy something when you don't know how you're going to be able to afford it, right? Yeah, yeah very good point. Um, okay, talk to me now about uh, Airbnb. Yes. Because uh, there's been some rules that have been put into place over the last 15, 24 months about Airbnb and like the rules around it. Yes. A lot of condos are saying, oh, you can't Airbnb nowadays uh, or in this condo because of the condo board. But what have you been seeing there with your clients and also just the shift in like the rules and regulations? Clients are doing very well. Um, I have a lot of clients that have Airbnb properties. I have two myself. Um, ah, okay. The problem with Airbnb properties is that I think that a lot of these platforms are really taking advantage of the hosts. So there's a lot of people damaging properties and we're not getting our money back. We're not get, like uh, the can I think they just changed. I read an article like two days ago where now the, the cancellation, pol- uh, they, it's not the cancellation policy, but they have up to 72 hours, w- which before it was 24 hours where they can report a problem. So let's say something of the unit or the house was bad. Mm-hmm. They have up to 72 hours to say, hey, Airbnb, this was bad in this unit. We want a refund or we want a partial credit or whatever it is. Mm. So you're seeing some people take take advantage of that. There's a lot of people that are kind of jumping off the platforms. There's a lot of people that are just as a form of, let's say, striking. They're saying, well, we're going off the platform for a month, which is kind of crazy because they're obviously losing income, right? Mm. But I kind of commend those people because they're, they're standing up. They're standing up and they're saying, hey, we're the ones that have these properties. We're the ones that are investing money. Right. You guys are supposed to be protecting us. And it's kind and of the it same seems thing. like they're protecting the customer first. And it's kind of the same thing that, that what's happened in the landlord and tenant board, where mm. now the rights are all on the tenant side. Landlords have zero rights. So now you're hearing landlords scrutinizing people like to the fullest extent. Mm. And now tenants are all saying, hey, what the heck, what's going, what's going on? And you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's Cause a there's a lot more due diligence that they do there's on somebody before saying, Hey, yeah, you can move into there's my place. There's a lot more due diligence. Interesting. So talk to me a little bit about, well, I want to talk about uh tenant and being a landlord in a yes. second, but a lot of people are still going and finding the idea of starting an Airbnb property yes. by buying a place or renting theirs out. What are some things that people should look out for when looking to do this? So first and foremost, is your property, like, let's say if you're buying a condo unit, again, you mentioned there's a lot of condo buildings that have now said, we're not allowing this anymore. And that's always a problem. So when you go ahead and you purchase a property and your main intention is Airbnb, always have that plan B of saying, well, if I can't Airbnb this anymore, what am I going to do with it? Right. Will I be able to rent it for a good price? Are my costs being met? I had a lot of clients that bought properties that were specifically for Airbnb and one of them, mm. their building's not allowing it anymore. And they are paying a crazy high mortgage, which the rent does not cover most of the payments. Mm. So now they're in hot water because mm. they can't sell it because now their property is worth much less than what they bought it for. Right, right. So it's a problem. So maybe don't go into it with like, I my only option is Airbnb. Yes. People are not 
doing things with plan Bs. And mm-hmm. that's the problem. They kind of think, well, I'm going to do this and it's going to go great. And being positive is awesome, but you need to have a plan B. Sometimes you do need to be a little bit more conservative and say, okay, there is a risk involved and I want to make sure that I don't get burned here because a bad investment, especially early on in your investment, right it's gonna burn you for the rest of your life yeah yeah because you lose out on that you lose out on the compounding effect especially early on that's a good point um okay so talk to me about being a landlord so even just airbnb aside you're look you have a property it's an investment property so you're looking to rent it out what are some things that you should look out for what's happening with legalities that people should look out for in the future What's, uh, what's some advice that you'd give to someone, first-time landlord or an experienced one? Okay, so a lot of people are now, something that I, I haven't seen, and, and again, I've been at this 19 years, the past two years, so many more people are reaching out to realtors to list their properties because mm. it's a lot of work and there's a lot of people that they just don't want to go through lo- lo- looking with a fine-tooth comb for these tenants and they don't really don't have the experience to find a great tenant. So now they're coming to realtors saying, hey, we need your expertise to make sure that you find me a tenant that's A++. Right. So that's kind of something that I've seen change quite a bit. Um, and that's, it's actually a big advice. Like realtors, just so everybody knows, realtors don't like to do leases. We do not, we do not get paid very well at all with leases. We make half a month's rent. So the majority of realtors just do them to help their clients. And they're actually more work, if not the same work, as purchasing a property where we make 20 times the amount of money. But it's something that the realtor has that expertise where they can see if the person has fraudulent documents. Just you talk to people and you already know what questions to ask to know if this is going to be a good fit for that person or not. I've seen I've seen some horror stories in yes. which I would not rent out my place without either it would be like a warm market person, like someone that I know very well, or yes. I'd have to have a realtor do it because yes. there, it is too much work. So to give you an idea, one of our last properties, so my wife does a lot of the initial searching. So mm-hmm. we placed ads everywhere, found like some tenants. We had in two days, we ended up getting, I think it was like 49 or 50 requests to view the property. Wow, okay. From all of those requests, we narrowed it down to two tenants. Just hmm. going through all their paperwork, their financials, just chatting with them, you know what I mean? Like people are, like it's crazy how, if you really pay attention and you listen, how they tell you right away that they're not good tenants. Mm. Like just, they just tell you, you just have to listen, right? <laughs> so nice. Okay. Uh, so one other big thing that a lot of people have been asking us is uh, going to the States. Yes. So whether that's for, because Toronto gets pretty depressing during this period of time. <laughs> and I, for one, am sick of the no sun here. I would love a place in beautiful Florida or something like that. I'll join you. Yeah. And then, uh, but also for investment reasons, some people are looking to the States because places are substantially cheaper. So um, I I believe you have some experience and knowledge in this. I would love to um, just pick your brain, talk to me a little bit about what should the thinking be for that? Because obviously it's just not like a blanket statement. Yes, you should do it. Um, And what does the process look like for doing something like that? So it's great that you mentioned this topic because... I was really interested it interested in it, and it's great that you also mentioned Florida because I have a lot of experience in Florida because my in laws used to um, they used to be snowbirds and they used to go down there. I actually uh, helped them sell their unit uh, last year in January February. Ah. Perfect timing because as you know, market went straight down over there. Right. So um, I wanted to purchase a property in Florida about three and a half years ago. Uh, we usually go down there in the in the uh, Christmas time uh, for about a couple of weeks, and I just nice. loved it. I absolutely loved Florida. I'm like, this would be great. Have a property, rent it out, and then when we come down here, we can kind of. It's a three hour flight, so we can stay here on and off. It's yeah. just great, right? Yeah. And the reason I didn't do it is because I know a lot of people who have properties, uh, not necessarily in Florida, but in other places of the states. They Airbnb them, they rent them out. Other people that have property in Calgary, and they just have a lot of problems because they're not there so it's a little bit different let's say when you own a house versus having a condo because with a condo you're never going to have to change your roof or repair your furnace right but the thing is is that you need somebody there managing it the thing that stopped me the most in terms of buying something was from a tax perspective you just get hammered the foreign buyers tax over there just having to do taxes there there every year it's just i said to myself well i gotta make so much more money just to be able to profit just because I'm getting a lot of money taken away in taxes. Hmm. Now, 
I'm not very savvy in the US. Maybe there's loopholes. I know that I like I have some friends of mine that they've purchased property under family members that live in the US, right? So maybe in their case, they're exempt from all those taxes. But from a guy like me that I don't really don't know anybody, I, I just I would have to buy it as a Canadian citizen. Yeah. I worked out all the numbers and it just didn't make sense for me. I felt that I could make more money in investing here. And not and having just, to pay all that those taxes, and then just going there for vacation. Yes, right, right, and that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, cool. So, if someone was looking to go and buy something in Florida, when how would it make sense? Like, does anyone do it anymore? Then a lot of people do it. Yeah, a lot of people do it. It makes sense to a lot of people. Some people they just they do it for the convenience of hey, I want somewhere to travel to. Yeah, and I'm going to keep this place for the next hundred years. My kids are going to inherit it, mm. and they're okay. So for them, and it maybe just if they sense. use it often, they can manage it themselves. But if they're Absolutely. renting it out, that might be even more difficult. Absolutely. Right. Okay, cool. So I want to wrap by asking this last question. Sure. Okay. And it's one that I've been asking to everyone on the podcast this episode, um, this season. Okay. And it's, um, okay. So final question. You getting nervous? No, I'm not getting nervous. <laughs> it's just, an, it's a new, I usually ask, what's one thing that you know that you wish other people knew? I was like, uh, for four years, that was like my, my last question that I would always ask, right? Um, but this one, I recently asked someone this question, or they asked me this question, and it stumped me. Okay. And I loved it. So anyway. All right. So we asked this to everyone. What is one piece of wisdom you wish you knew much sooner? Are you asking me personally or from a business perspective? Whatever. Okay. What's so one piece of wisdom that you wish you knew much sooner? So I'm going to give you answers to both. I love that. So Better. on a personal, uh, on the personal side, I would say find out what matters most to you, um, especially if you're a younger person, because you get old really quick, and time passes by so fast. And do those things while you can, because later on you're going to have regrets. Mm. So that's what I would say on the personal side, and from a business perspective. Um, Again, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I always think of real estate is don't focus on the money. Everybody's always focusing on making money, making money. And you see guys like Jeff Bezos, Zuckerberg, uh, Bill Gates. I know a lot of people hate hate these people, uh, Elon Musk, but they're never thinking about money. They're not doing these things because they want to become billionaires. They're doing it because they're just fueled. They're motivated. So if you're constantly educating yourself, you're trying to get better, you're trying to just be a be better at what you're doing and you're trying to grow, the money's going to come. So that's what I would say. Just focus on what you're doing and just focus on helping people and you're just going to be better off. I believe that. If you really do focus on just doing the work, yes. the money inevitably comes. Yes. And it may take a little bit of time. And that's what people, I feel don't want to do they don't want to wait they just want it all now mm-hmm. and uh i'm not a gary v fan at all at all i don't like the guy but he said something that always sticks with me and he said people always want to win in year one he goes i'd rather work year one two three four and then in year five i really win mm. but people don't want to put in those four years right thank you so much mario <laughs> You are a beauty and you are full of wisdom. I love having you on the podcast. I appreciate it very much. Um, I said it to you five years when I was um, on the podcast. I really loved what you were doing. Your approach was so different. Um, You help a lot of people with all the advice you give them. And uh, you mentioned that I was a person that you always like look to for advice and uh, like, I look to you like you you're out there in a field that I'm not in. I take a lot of what you what you say to heart and I learn as well. So I appreciate you putting this for everybody because it really is helping a lot of people, man. Thank you. Thank you. Did you pay him to say that, Valentina? <laughs> you slipped them slipped them a, no. a, a note beforehand. Thank you so no much problem. for being on the episode. It. This has been what they did not teach you in school until next time.